let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Stella was a talented runner who competed with three other young ladies in a 4 by 100 relay race. Stella's team was very good, and the more they competed, the more races they won. First, they won at the local level, and then they advanced and won at the regional level. Finally, their big breakthrough came one day as they qualified to compete at the national level. Stella and her team were going to run the 4 by 100 relay race for the national championship. The great day arrived when the final race was being held. The national stadium was packed full of people. Stella was the last runner on the team and she stood nervously watching as her teammates took their turns. The first runner did well and managed to gain a slight advantage. Then the baton was handed off to the second runner and she did very well. Stella's team started to pull into the lead. The baton was handed to the third runner and the gap between Stella's team and the other teams grew wider. If only Stella could grab the baton and run well, they would win the race and win the national championship. But as the third runner stretched her hand out to Stella, the unthinkable happened. The baton dropped and suddenly a sure victory was in doubt. Stella quickly reached down to grab the baton but accidentally her foot caught on the baton and the baton was kicked and rolled off onto the field. Stella jumped to grab it from the ground as fast as she could but by the time Stella returned to the track all the other teams had passed her. To her shock, Stella looked up to see that she was suddenly in last place with only one lap to go. Oh, at that moment, all strength left Stella. She wanted to sit down on the ground and cry. All the years of training, all the hard work, all was for nothing. There was no strength left in her to go on. But then Stella heard something that renewed her courage. In the split second, as she stood on the track, watching the other runners from behind, she suddenly heard the voice of her mother. It seemed impossible, what with all the thousands of people in the crowded stadium that day, but she was sure she heard it. She could hear her mother yelling, Go, Stella, go! Go, Stella, go! Above all the noise, above all the cheering multitudes, she could hear her mother encouraging her on. New strength surged into Stella. With that voice ringing in her ears, Stella started running. She didn't know if she could make it, but she knew one thing. She would not quit. She could not quit. She may have dropped the baton, but she would not drop out. She may have failed, but there was nowhere else to go but forward. Others in the stadium started shouting, Go, Stella, go! Go, Stella, go! And Stella ran with all of her might. She passed one runner. She seemed to fly like a bird, and she passed a second runner. The wind was blowing, the crowd was yelling, and Stella could picture her mother standing and chanting, Go, Stella, go! 
She passed a third runner and then a fourth. There was only one runner left ahead of Stella. The whole crowd was on its feet chanting, Go, Stella, go! Go, Stella, go! There were only a few meters left before the finish. With all of her might, Stella forced herself faster and faster. And just as she reached the finish line, Stella passed the last runner and won the race. They won the national championship. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the inspiring story of Stella running her race. You see, failure can knock you down. It can throw you out of the race and leave you feeling like giving up. There may be times when it seems that all is lost. There may be times when you've dropped the baton. There may be times you feel so weak and weary you don't think you can go on. But listen, listen. For when you listen closely, you will hear the sound of your heavenly Father. He's shouting, go, go. And you'll hear the sound of the host of heaven shouting, go, go. You can make it. Don't give up. Get back up. Get in the race. Keep running. Keep pressing. Keep believing. And you will feel God's strength rising in you, lifting you up on eagle's wings. For you see, failure is not final. The only true failure is when you fail to get up and get back going. That's the lesson we can all learn from Stella's story, and it's the lesson we can learn from Samson's story too. It's the lesson of our sermon today, a message titled, Pushing Down the Pillars. We're going to see the overcome of failure in Samson's life and see the amazing story of how he came back and achieved his destiny. But before we go on, Let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you and we bless you today for gathering us in your presence. We thank you for your word, speaking to us from heaven, cheering us on to get back up and go. We may have failed. We may have dropped the baton. We may be in last place, but we will not give up. With your courage and your strength, we will press on and run our race. So we submit to you today, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come and minister light and life to our hearts. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth For Today. God bless you for joining in as we come to the conclusion of our sermon series titled, Samson, A Story of Failure and Redemption. We've learned a lot over the last few weeks about this man, but there's one final lesson for us in his story, and I believe the Lord is going to speak to you today and move in us miraculously as we learn how to move from failure to forward. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we prepared sermon notes and a daily devotional. You can get these for free from my website and my social media pages, so go ahead and take out your notes and follow along with me as we discuss discuss and learn together today our final truth from the story of Samson. But before we move forward, let's take a moment and review what we've already learned about this man of God. In our first sermon, we learned how Samson was divinely called by God. He was ordained by God and anointed by God, yet through internal weaknesses, he got off 
course. Last week we saw the devastating consequences of Samson's wrong lifestyle. He was captured by his enemies. His eyes were gouged out and he was made a slave in prison. His story is a story of great failure. He had so much potential, but he threw it all away. But thankfully, Samson's story doesn't end in failure. And that's good news for all of us, because if Samson could find a way out of failure, then you can too. Somebody say amen. See, Samson's story gives us hope, even though it's sad, even though it's bad. There is redemption in his story, and there is hope for all of us. But you see, the fact is we all have to learn how to face failure and overcome it. Even though the story of Samson is a painful one to hear, it's important important for us to learn from him because whether we like it or not the fact is every single one of us has failed the bible says in romans 3:23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god we've all come up short at some point in our lives and just like samson we all have a divine destiny we have a divine calling but we've allowed internal weaknesses to throw us off course god created you for so much greatness He created you for destiny, yet every one of us has failed. No one has ever lived without failing. For James 3, 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. That's why a man's greatest fear is failure and his greatest pain is regret. God has placed spiritual greatness inside of us, yet we fall short and we fail to achieve that greatness. And we suffer the pain of regret. But the good news is God is merciful and ready to receive us. He knows we fall short. He knows that we failed, but he's ready to give us a second chance. So the question for all of us today is this. Will we accept his forgiveness? Will we partner with him to push down the pillars of failure and get on the path to restoration. For the fact is we all have a part to play in moving from failure to forward. There's nothing you can do to earn God's forgiveness, but you can and must have a responsibility in coming out of failure and being restored to God's purposes. So let's discover what we need to do today to move from failure to forward. And here's your first step. Push down the pillar of failure. Let's go once again to the book of Judges and pick up Samson's story in chapter 16, verses 23 to 25. Now receive the word of the Lord. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Can you see this picture? It's a powerful picture of humiliation. Here is the great man of God. This was the ruler of the nation. He was like a president or a king, and suddenly he's in prison. He's been made blind. He's made to work like a beast of burden, and then he's brought out in front of the crowd like an animal to perform for their entertainment. Oh, the shame, the humiliation. It would be enough to make Samson feel utterly worthless. 
But something amazing happens inside of him. He knows he's wrong. He cannot hide his failure. But in his moment of failure, God gives Samson a revelation. And if you will receive that revelation today, it will move you from failure to forward. So here's the first truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Failure is an event, not a person. Just because you failed at something doesn't mean you are a failure. For Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. And that's what happens to Samson. Something stirs inside of him. He has failed. His enemies are mocking him. He's humiliated in front of thousands. But Samson is not a failure. He is a man of God who fell. And by God's grace, he can and rise again. And that's the lesson we all need to know. When you failed, you are not a failure. When you fall short, you can rise again. The fact is you can't change the past, but you can change your future and move from failure to forward. If you believe it, say amen. You cannot unsin, but you can repent. Maybe you're watching today and your marriage is a failure. Maybe you've committed adultery or you're not even living together, but there's hope today. Maybe you failed in your career. Your mates have all moved ahead of you. It could be you failed in your relationships. Your children hate you. Your sisters won't talk to you. Every relationship is broken and you're isolated and alone. Or perhaps your spiritual life is a failure. You don't pray. You don't go to church. You feel distant from God. But just because you failed at something doesn't make you a failure. Failure is an event, not a person. Samson failed repeatedly, yet it it looked like he had failed one too many times. God still accomplished his divine purpose through him. So here's what you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you. A saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. That's why it's so important that you don't define yourself by who you were. Define yourself by who God says you are. That's the lesson we can learn from an American man named Chuck Colson. At one time, Chuck Colson was one of the most powerful men in America. He was the special counsel to the President of the United States. He wielded great power in the U.S. government, and he was a feared and dreaded man. If he turned against you, it could mean your downfall. But through a series of fatal mistakes, it was Colson himself who had a downfall. He was caught committing crimes, and Chuck Colson, special counsel to the president, was sentenced to prison. Once one of the most powerful men in America, he was now locked up behind bars. Oh, his enemies rejoiced. What they printed about him in the news, hey, he was not only feared, but he was hated. So he could have easily sunk into despair when he sunk to that level behind bars, being mocked in the press. But something amazing happened to Chuck Colson in prison. He found Jesus Christ. And through his downfall, he was brought to a place where he knew he needed God. He repented of his sin and became a transformed man. At first, most people just laughed when they heard that Chuck Colson had become a Christian. Ha, Chuck, no way! His enemies said he was just trying to pretend, hoping they would let him out of prison early. 
Many people doubted a man like Chuck Colson could really change, but the change in his life was genuine. After he was released from prison, Chuck Colson started Prison Fellowship, which is the largest ministry to prisoners in the world today. Though many doubted him, he refused to be defined by what he used to be. For the rest of his life, he never looked back. He became one of the most respected Christian leaders in the world. He wrote the famous book, Born Again. And even his enemies came to the place where they acknowledged the good he was doing for others. Chuck Colson pushed down the pillar of failure. He refused to be defined by his past. And the same thing can happen to you, no matter what you've done or where you've been. Don't let your past failures limit your future opportunities. For Romans 11.29 says, God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. See, our future is not based on our past performance. Our future is in the hands of the faithful one. He does not withdraw or recall your anointing and your gift and your talent. 2 Timothy 2.13 promises us if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. And even when we're faithless, even when we failed, God remains faithful. So put your hand on your chest and say after me, I will push down the pillar of failure. And that brings us to our second step from failure to forward today. Push down the pillar of regret. Listen to what happens next in Samson's story in Judges 16, 25 to 26 and verse 28. When they stood him among the pillars, remember they brought him out in their temple. They're all drinking and carousing, worshiping a demonic God. And they bring him out. And he's among the pillars of the temple. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. Samson had pushed down the pillar of failure in his own heart and mind. A light was dawning in his soul, but now he has to push down the second pillar, the pillar of regret. See, oftentimes when we fail, we become our own worst enemy. Oftentimes, the only thing keeping you down when you fail is your own internal response to your failure. That's why you have to understand there are two responses to failure. The natural response is regret. Regret is the emotion of remorse uh, coupled with the spirit of rejection. Regret can steal your life. It's sorrow, but it's not sorrow that produces anything good. But there is a better response to failure than simply feeling uh, regret. The better response is repentance. That's why 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is an emotion of regret, but it doesn't produce anything good. See, friends, here's the problem with regret. Regret looks back but not forward. 
Regret actually keeps you from overcoming your failure. Regret results in three negative actions. First of all, regret results in an inward response, anger at myself. That's why oftentimes when we fail, we begin to berate ourselves. I hate myself. I'm an idiot. How could I be so stupid? But see, Samson avoids getting angry at himself. He prays, remember me, O Lord. And when I heard that, I thought, how could Samson pray, remember me? He would be saying, God, forget it. Forget what I did. Forget all the past. But he says, remember me. Samson rejected regret and didn't give up. Secondly, regret results in outward response. We get angry at ourselves and we start to blame other people. Samson could have blamed Delilah, that wicked witch. He could have blamed his enemies, but instead he takes responsibility for his own actions. And some of you are stuck in failure and defeat because you're always blaming others. You can't fix the problem when you're always fixing the blame. If your marriage is bad, you say, it's my wife's fault. If your kids are bad, it's their fault. If your business is bad, it's your partner's fault. If the church is bad, it's the pastor's fault. Friend, you can't be right all the time. And redemption requires taking responsibility for your wrong. So regret results in inward anger. It results in lashing out at others. But worst of all, regret results in an upward response, resentment to God. And a lot of people, when they fail, they start to blame God. God, as if God failed. You failed, not God. Hey, they get angry with God when he starts to chasten them for their sin. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 says. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline. Hey, lift your hand and say, I receive your discipline, O Lord. And do not be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child whom he delights. And there's some watching today, some of you listening today, you're in trouble because God is disciplining you. You went astray and now God is closing doors and chastening you because of your sin. Don't get angry with God. Don't blame others. Don't get angry with yourself. For today you have to know that if God is disciplining you, it's because he loves you. It means God wants to deal with you, to change you and bring you to a better place. So don't get mad. Don't turn against God. Accept his discipline. Redemption requires we respond to God's rebuke. Don't resent. Repent. Samson could have blamed Delilah. He could have been angry with God. He could have been down on himself, but instead he took responsibility. He repented and he knew that even in his weakness, the Lord is still merciful. He's half the man he used to be, but he knows God is still the same God and God is not finished with him. He understood what Isaiah 42.3 says, a bruised reed God will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I'm talking to somebody today because you've given up and you've quit, but God is not quitting on you. And even though your internal weakness has led to external failure, God is not going to snuff you out. He's not going to break you off. He's here to heal you and restore you and renew you and lift you and bring you back so you can fulfill your destiny. Somebody shout amen. You are not the first one to fail. You're not the first one to lose hope. You're not the first one to feel that your life is over. 
In fact, it's happened to every great man or woman of God. Listen to David in Psalm 103, 1 to 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David said, I was in sin, but God forgave me. I was sick, but God healed me. I was in a pit, but God redeemed me. And not only did God redeem him, he crowned him with love and compassion. He brought him up and satisfied him. He took him out of the pit and renewed him. And that's what God will do for you. No matter how great your sin, no matter how great your failure, God's love is greater. No matter how weak your will, God's power is stronger. No matter how low you go, God's love will go deeper. He saves. He heals. He heals, he restores, he renews, he revives, he brings you back home again. That's the good news we can learn from Kingsley's story. Many years ago, a man named Kingsley lived in the village with his wife and children. Kingsley loved his family very much, and for many years they lived happily together. But one day, Kingsley lost his job. His family fell on hard times, they couldn't pay their bills, and they became very poor. Kingsley's heart broke to hear his children crying at night because of hunger. So in desperation, Kingsley went out and did something he never thought he would do. He broke into a shop and stole some money. Well, before he knew what happened, the police had caught him. He went to court and was convicted of stealing. He was sentenced to three years in prison. Suddenly, his whole life has fallen apart. His wife and family are disgraced. He's separated from the ones he loves. Kingsley didn't know if he could ever go home again. For three long years, Kingsley languished in prison alone. He was too far from the village for his wife to visit him. All he could think about for those three years was how he had disgraced his family and ruined his life. He didn't know if they could forgive him. He didn't know if the wife would even want him back again. Finally, when his time in prison was almost over, he sat down and wrote a letter to his wife. He told her he was sorry for what he had done. There was no excuse. He told her he wanted to come home, but he knew she might not want to take him back. So this is what he asked her to do. He said, dear wife, if you will forgive me for the disgrace I've caused, if you are willing to bring me home, then I need a sign from you. When I get out of prison, I'm going to sit on the big STC bus and ride towards our village. Outside our town, there's a big mango tree. And if you forgive me, if you want me to come home, I'm asking you to tie a yellow ribbon on the old mango tree by the roadside. When I leave the prison and I'm on the bus, if I see a yellow ribbon on the mango tree, I will stop the bus and come down. But if not, I will stay on the bus and continue on. Kingsley didn't know what would happen, but he knew, he knew that his fate lay in the hands of his wife and whether she would tie a yellow ribbon to the tree. Well, eventually the day came when Kingsley was released from the prison. 
With fear and uncertainty, he boarded the big bus that would take him to his hometown. For hours, he rode on the bus, not knowing what he would see when he arrived home. Would there be a yellow ribbon on the tree? Would his family forgive him and welcome him home? Or had he lost all chance at being reunited with his family? Was his sin too great to be forgiven? The bus got closer and closer. There was one more big bend. Kingsley could barely bear to look out the window to see his fate. Would there be a yellow ribbon? The bus got closer and closer. There was just one more bend in the road and then he would see the old mango tree. He held his breath. He closed his eyes. He bit his lip as the bus rounded the final bend. Kingsley opened his eyes and there he saw on the old mango tree not one yellow ribbon but hundreds of yellow ribbons, hundreds and hundreds of yellow ribbons tied from every branch, fluttering in the breeze, calling out to him, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Stop the bus, Kingsley shouted. Stop the bus. I've come home. The bus stopped. Kingsley jumped off the bus and ran into the waiting arms of his wife and children. And friends, Just like Kingsley, you may have gone far from God. You may have done things you thought you would never do. You may feel sinful and shameful. You're separated from God. You may wonder if God can ever restore you again. But God wants you to know today, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've become or where you've gone, he's always ready to forgive you and receive you back home. When Jesus died on the cross, he tied a thousand yellow ribbons on the tree and said to you, welcome home. It's time to push down the pillar of regret. Look up and see your God on the throne. He's redeeming you today. Though you failed, he is not finished with you. He still has a plan and destiny for your life. And that leads us to our third step from failure to forward, walk out of the rubble. Samson's story comes to an end in Judges 16, 29, and 30. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. What a powerful tribute to redemption. Samson was brought out to be mocked. He was a complete failure, but he pushed down the pillar of failure. A spark of hope awakened in him, and he realized he could rise again. He prayed to God and pushed down the pillar of regret. He didn't curse himself. He didn't blame others. He wasn't angry with God. He prayed for restoration, and he recaptured his destiny to be a ruler who would deliver his people from their enemies. God heard his prayer, and Samson's strength was restored. See, friends, even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes in your life. Surprisingly, even failure can turn to success when we allow God to transform us into the men and women he wants us to be. And if you will allow failure to transform you, then you can walk out of the rubble. For just as God gave Samson physical strength, God will give you spiritual, supernatural strength to overcome. 
For he promises us in 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. You're an overcomer. If you're down, you're not out. You're not defined by what life throws at you, but at what you make of those things. That's the lesson we can learn from an American woman named Wilma Rudolph. Wilma was born to a very poor family. She was number 20 out of 22 children. When she was four years old, she contracted polio in her legs. The nearest hospital that could treat her was 80 kilometers away. So her mom would carry Wilma twice a week to go to the hospital. She had to wear braces on her legs. Every night, her mother would come home from work and massage her little legs, trying to keep the polio from shrinking her legs. Every night, Wilma's mother would tell her, you're going to walk. You're going to walk without crutches. You're going to walk without pain. You're going to walk. You're going to walk. You're going to walk. But Wilma did more than walk. Wilma not only walked, she ran. At age 12, she was finally able to stand without her leg braces. She joined a racing team and earned a place eventually on the U.S. Olympic team. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph, former crippled by polio, became the first American woman ever to win three gold medals in track at Olympics. When Wilma was a child, she could have been very unhappy. She could have said, I don't have the same opportunity like others. She could have said, I'm number 20 out of 22 kids. No one has time for me. She could have focused on her handicap and compared herself to others. And if she had, she would have been crippled for the rest of her life. She would have been gripped by a spirit of failure. But Wilma refused to allow unhappiness to enter her heart. She refused to allow failure to stop her. Wilma Rudolph rose from the crippling impact of polio and poverty and became an Olympic champion. And that's why I say to you, rise up today and walk in victory. For God is speaking to you from 1 John 5, 4 to 5. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And no matter how far you've fallen, God can raise you up. No matter how great your failure. You are not a failure. You are who God claims you to be. No matter how bad things look, God can restore you to your destiny. That's Stella's story. That's Chuck Colson's story. That's Kingsley's story. It's Wilma Rudolph's story. And it's a lesson we can learn from an entire nation, the nation of Rwanda. Back in 1994, the nation of Rwanda fell apart. In 100 days, nearly 1 million people were slaughtered in one of the worst genocides in history. The tribal warfare between the Hutus and the Tutsis was brutal. No place in Rwanda was safe. Entire families were murdered at once. Thousands of women and girls were raped. 250,000 women were widowed, 100,000 children were orphaned, abandoned, or abducted. Not only was there a human toll, the nation's infrastructure was devastated as well. When the genocide ended, there was no money in the treasury. There were no offices intact, no chairs, no desks, no paper, no telephones, nothing. The streets of the capital, Kigali, were almost empty. 
from a previous population of 300,000, there were only 50,000 people left, and half of them were displaced. Their condition was disastrous. They lacked adequate food and water. Outside the capital, whole families and communities had been destroyed. Livestock had been killed. Crops were laid to waste. Everywhere, there were ditches filled with rotting bodies. You would think it would tear the nation apart to such an extent that Rwanda would never rise again. Yet today, Rwanda is an African success story. It has one of the fastest economic growth rates in the region, one of the lowest crime rates, and one of the lowest rates for HIV-AIDS. Rwanda has earned a reputation for good governance and the absence of corruption or graft. How did it happen? The country had to turn its back on its failure and seek a new start with forgiveness and reconciliation. They had to get up and walk out of the rubble. And in the story of the nation of Rwanda, there's a lesson for you today. You may be down, but you're not out. If you're not dead, you're not done. And you too can walk out of the rubble and rebuild your life. You too can overcome failure and move forward. You too can rediscover your destiny and once again, follow God's plan. Stella did. Chuck Colson did, Kingsley did, Wilma Rudolph did, the nation of Rwanda did, and you can too. For Micah 7, 8 to 10 says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now, she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. God says to you today, what pillars do you need to push down? It's never too late to do what God wants you to do. Repent. Push down the pillars and come back to God. Give him your whole life and make your whole life light in his presence. It's not about you. It's about giving him glory. Don't get stuck in failure. Don't get stuck in regret. Don't get stuck under the rubble of the ruin you've made. Push down the pillars that are holding you back. Walk out of the rubble and rise again. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman listening and watching today. I ask you to speak to us, Lord, for those who are desperate, for those who are desolate, for those who are discouraged and depressed because of failure. Lord, I pray you deliver them from failure. Help us today to push down the pillar of failure by coming to you and acknowledging we've sinned. Forgive us. Lord, I pray we'll push down the pillar of regret. Lord, that we won't blame ourselves and blame others or blame you, but we'll come Come in humility and say, Father, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Restore me. Remember me. Hear me. Revive me. Lift me. Resurrect me. Father, I pray today you'll give us the courage to get up and walk 
out of the rubble. Let our past failures be put in our rearview mirror and let us focus on the future, walking faithfully after you as we come into newness of life, as we come into restoration, as we come to recover and regain our destiny. We thank you by faith that something new has started in our lives today. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.